Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Welcome to You Are Okay with Blog Talk Radio. This is Mara. <clears throat> Pardon me. This is Mara. I apologize. I have allergies. Um, maybe I don't. I don't know. I have something that interferes with my vocal cords in the morning. It's a little bit odd. But I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for joining me, and I apologize again for the uh, misstep in the beginning. So this is Blog Talk Radio. This is You Are Okay. And today we're going to be talking about the idea that God is in everything good and bad. That's a huge, huge uh, concept. In fact, it's so huge that I spent some time, pardon me just a second. This is the first time I've spoken this morning. It is so huge that in some uh, contexts, It defies imagination. And part of the reason that God is in everything is because we are all parts of God. That itself gives us a giant, giant obligation to live our lives in kindness, grounded in love. Love is the way. And yet, uh, so many times we get caught up in ego which is our own human satisfaction being met, which is our own desire to reach our goals in our way, which requires that we pull other people into our way and we become right. And so... God is on both sides in a war, not only because both sides are usually praying to God, but God is on both sides because parts of God are on both sides. And yet God does not want war. God wants love. But for some reason, the challenge we all have is recognizing our value in the midst of chaos, is recognizing that things happen to hone the steel of who we are. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And in in doing that, I decided that I was going to turn to someone that I consider to be my master on some level. He was certainly not alive when I, uh, when I, actually I don't think he's been alive after I was four years old, but I started off learning about Paramahasa Yogananda in the, um, 90s by reading the autobiography of a yogi. Let me tell you, probably the most boring thing I've ever read in my life. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't have insights in it. And one of the insights for me that I appreciate from Yogananda's work, it was a very good way for this um, young woman who wanted to move Uh, who realized that there was something more than what she was hearing in church, who had gone and sat in a um, rabbi's home to learn about being Jewish, thinking that, well, Christianity is a sect of Judaism. It is, folks, whether we like it to hear that or not, it is. And just as Buddhism is a sect of Hinduism. And yet neither Hindu nor Buddha... Uh, followers believe that um, actually 
they're kind of philosophies of life, and on some level they may be considered religions, but for the most part they're a philosophy of life, their way of life, and Buddhism especially. It's a step away from the religion of Hinduism to a more philosophic approach to life. And what I liked about Yogananda is he is a brilliant man, and his way of showing and connecting the pieces was to combine Christianity with other faiths, and thereby enable one to see that the message that is being attributed to Jesus is a message that is found in countless religious and philosophic texts. So you can listen without fear that somehow you're going to hell if you consider other religious philosophies and doctrinologies and ideologies. Now, what's important is, you know, it's interesting I said that to you because I have an uncle who's absolutely convinced that I am going to hell. And I feel sorry that he feels it necessary to spend his prayer time praying for my soul. But he's praying And he's engaged in his conduct. And his conduct is kind. And so I can't allow his conduct or contacts to wash over me and belittle me and make me less than I am because I'm responsible for me. I'm responsible in the midst of that very angry negative judgment to be true to who I am to be true to my character, to remember that I am a part of God, to remember that God is with me always. And that's the deal with suffering. So where did I turn to today? I turned to Yogananda. I said that earlier. But before we get to Yogananda, and I know many of you out there are not uh, Christians, but some of you may be, and I don't want you to feel guilty. And uh, I'm comfortable that if you're a follower of Muhammad, that there's a passage similar to this that's attributed to Muhammad that I'm about to share. And I think that living through suffering with dignity, accepting that bad is designed to ignite good, involves recognizing your connection to God. Recognizing that God loves you as you are. That does not say that every decision we make is a God-driven decision. Many decisions we make are ego-driven decisions designed to advance people's feelings about us, designed to advance our cause, designed to advance ourselves. And sometimes when we're in the midst of the ego-driven, we become so consumed with it that we lose sight of what is good for others. 
and it's during those times that we have big wars with guns and weapons and words and also small wars within our household as we seek to meld people into our idea of who they should be. And yet, as we finish this program today, I am hopeful that one thing that is readily apparent is we are each a part of God and we each have a unique journey. We are each uniquely created. We are each divinely inspired. And we each can make a difference by our life choices. We do not have to have auditoriums full of millions of people or thousands of people or hundreds of people or tens of people. We need simply live a life grounded in love, remembering at all times, no matter what is in front of us, that God is at our side and at our back. So we approach life with a smile and the courage of the victor because no one can take God away from you. Only you can ignore and reject God. But even in doing that, you are connected and you are not rejected by God. Bad things do not mean that you are less than every other creature that God loves. So here is where we're going to go with Be Still Thy Soul. It's a Christian quote. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. And that is from Corinthians 3.16. Again, know ye not that you are the temple of God and that God dwelleth in you. Oh, that knowledge for me, just a reassertion of that knowledge for me, always causes me to just feel the overwhelming presence of God around me and to know that I can move forward with God always. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. You, my friends, are the temple of God. And God dwells within you. And God dwells around you. You are never alone. And today we are going to listen to Be Still Thy Soul as we meditate for our first meditation. Pulling together our commonality, our connection to God. Pulling together our unity with God. We are going to meditate to the idea that God dwells within me. As you're listening to this song, as you bring your breath in, I want you to think God dwells within me. And as you breathe out, I want you to think and say as you breathe out, I am one with God. 
So it's God dwells within me as you're pulling your breath in and as you are breathing out. I am one with God. Now we've talked about deep breaths before and I'm not going to spend a lot of time going through the process again, but it helps if you try to breathe through the soles of your feet. So pulling your first breath in, and your first breath is going to be fearless breath. As it comes up across the front of your calves, front of your thighs, crosses over your buttocks, and now is going up your tailbone. God dwells within me. I am one with God. You're going to pull that fearless breath up. It's going to go through the second chakra, which is the creative breath. So now you've got fearless creative energy coming through your body. You're going to go through healing. And as you're doing that, God is within me. You're going to come to your heart and you're going to open your shoulders and be secure and showing love because God is within you. You're going to pull your breath up and you're going to allow your words that have been ill-chosen this week and other weeks to go away because God dwells within you. God is within you. You're going to pull your breath up to your third eye, the zone between your eyes, and you've now got fearless, creative, healing, forgiving loving, forgiving breath, and you're going to come to the third eye, manifesting breath, and you're going to manifest yourself. You're going to see yourself in front of your eyes as a being lighting up from within with the beauty of God within you. God is within me. And now you're going to take that breath and allow it to join with the divine breath of God as you Pull your breath up through your crown chakra. Imagine it, visualize it as a piping tube where all this tubing is going around and your breath is going through these piper tubes. And now as you breathe out, I am one with God. And I'm going to invite you to go through that process for three minutes and 40 seconds. It's a process you can duplicate often during the day. It's only three minutes. But my friends, you can actually take three deep breaths in much less than three minutes and 40 seconds. And in doing that, you will recognize the presence of God within you and that you are one with God. Here we go.
one source of light. Now, how in the world would we become sources of light, my friends, if we did not recognize our connection with God and we did not allow that connection to modify and shape our behavior? If we didn't learn to turn over the bad things, which vary from person to person to God, and strip them out of our minds. And that's hard. That mind scrubbing is hard. We all tend to fixate on bad things that are happening and what could happen with those. A good example is this voice thing I'm having. I'm an attorney. I'm a trial lawyer. I go into court. This is how I make my living. If any of you have heard of vocal cord dysfunction, send me an email. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. It's not asthma. It's not chronic pulmonary disease. It's something very different. And I am having to scrub my mind of thinking about it because I know that my happy destiny is guaranteed. I may not know all the elements of my happy destiny, but I know absolutely dead bang certain that my happy destiny is guaranteed because I know that I am God's child 
I know that I am a part of God, and I know that sometimes I don't act like it, but when I step back and evaluate my conduct, I work to remedy that. And I know that I can live in the moment as well as I can. We talked about Don Miguel Reese last week, and yes, our best is a flexible standard, and sometimes our best is not very godlike. Sometimes we are backed into a corner so tightly that we we are like ah, ah, and we flash out, we push out instead of relaxing in the corner and saying, "What's next, God?" Instead of focusing on being that light that God has instilled within us, that is instilled within us, we lash out. Now, life isn't perfect, my friends. Life is not perfect. As I just shared with you, I've got my own little personal drama going on. And I'm embarrassed, and I only mention it to you because at times it sounds like I'm clearing my throat, except there's nothing to clear. It's just this terrible whatever is going on with my vocal cords. But you know what? That's okay. Because I can, even if I lost my voice, and I'm not going to, but even if I lost my voice, I would not lose my ability to write. I would not lose my sight. I would not lose my ability to reach out and touch others in kindness. So if I can't remind people that I value their contributions to my life with my words spoken, then I could write them. And the same is true for each and every one of us. If when we face conflict, we would begin to think of ways that even if the worst thing happened, we would still be able to continue our course in kindness and in love. Every time, God will show us the way. There are so many quotes from Yogananda, and the book is, by the way, Where There Is Light. And you can buy it if you're so inclined uh, from the Self-Realization Fellowship. This man is amazing. He is truly, truly amazing. His goal was to teach us, and he succeeded, to leave a message for us to be a role model for us on how to live our life in union with God, recognizing the divine spark within ourselves, allowing that spark to shine through. He is not a man who claims to have had a perfect existence, who never had suffering. In fact, It was interesting because he used to get all tied up inside when he built the Self-Realization Fellowship Center in, I know it's in the Pasadena area, and I used to know the name of the center there, but it's a very, very grand facility because many people would come there. And when he built that first one, there are many, they are gorgeous, and there are many down in the Los Angeles area, 
that when he built that first one, he would worry when he would get the utility bills about how he was going to pay for it. How was he going to pay for those bills? So the man's words that I'm about to share with you is not, is not, are not the words of a man that was without knowing human suffering. Now, we all may define suffering differently, and, and certainly the economic woes of the, uh, the deal with the utility bills might be something that many people in today's world are facing, monetary woes. And it is so difficult when we're having monetary woes to not allow our minds to wrap around those woes and instead to think, thank you, God, for bringing into my life unexpected money, money from unexpected places. Write that down. Write it down. Thank you, God, for bringing into my life unexpected money. Money from unexpected places. So we all have economic woes, and we can allow it to consume our thinking, or we can incite God into the solution. Now, here is a little quick story before we look at some more Yogananda quotes that um, is, I thought, particularly uh, telling. During a period of great trial, Paramahasa Yogananda retired to the desert for solitude and prayer. One night, while deeply meditating, he received this beautiful response from God. Dance of life or dance of death. Know that these come from me and rejoice. For more dost thou, what more dost thou want than thou has me? Dance of life or dance of death. Times of good and times of bad. What more can we have than to have God in our lives? Feel the presence of God around you today. I'd like you to envision God sitting beside you, God sitting in front of you, God sitting behind you. You're in a circle surrounded by God because that, in fact, is your life. Your room, whether it is grand or simple, is filled with the Spirit of God, and God is within you. Begin to feel that Spirit of God within you welling up in a profound light so that the light is emanating from you. Feel the glory of that light as we go forward. This book, Where There Is Light, is is just phenomenal. And I marked too many pages. We would have to sit here several days just to listen to what Yogananda says on strength in times of adversity, which is at page 10. This quote is a beginning for our discussions today, and we have already used 29 
we only have 29 minutes left. So we may have to have a continuation of this program. And if we do, it will not be next Sunday. Because next Sunday, I am going to be in um, Idaho visiting with my brother. Yogananda stated, everything the Lord has created is to try us, to bring out the buried soul immortality within us. That is the adventure of life, the one purpose of life. And everyone's adventure is different, unique. You should be prepared to deal with all problems of health, mind, and soul by common sense methods and faith in God, knowing that in life or death, your soul remains unconquered. Your soul remains unconquered. You are a part of God. That is an immutable truth. That is an immutable truth. And you can recognize that truth in whatever way you choose to recognize it. Whether you choose to do it imbued in a religious doctrine, a faith that has no room for any followers but yours, or you choose to live it in a religious philosophy or, excuse me, a spiritual philosophy that causes you to live in the moment and be all that you can be and try to harm nothing. You can live and know the truth of that no matter what because you are a part of God. You, what a challenge. Let's just look at that as though it's the workplace concept. You are a part of God. So if this were your workplace and you are a part of God and your supervisor came in and said, so how are you doing in your God duties? What are you going to answer? Well, first of all, you're going to be honest because that's who you are, honest. Besides which, what's the point of lying to God, supervisor? You know, hello, God knows everything. He knows when we're not so good and he knows when we are good. Or she knows when we're not so good and she knows when we are good. I don't really care. I don't care how you practice your religion. I don't care what you call your God. I know absolutely 100% that your God is one God with my God and all of us are loved. I know absolutely that our that our destinies after we pass are defined and absolute. But we have choices. And how is your report card? How is your performance evaluation going? Have you looked at it at all? Have you given it any consideration? Am I a source of light? Oh, hey, 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 we're not asking. You're in a human form. I'm in a human form. No one's asking for you to get A's. We've got our whole life all all dolled up so that everybody has to be excellent. If everyone's excellent, there's nothing to learn. Life is about learning, and that is what bad helps us do is grow. 
Yogananda stated, to fly away from problems, excuse me, use every opportunity that comes to you as an opportunity to improve yourself. When you're passing through the difficulties and tests of life, you, are usually, you usually become rebellious. Why should this happen to me? Instead, you should think of every trial as a pickaxe with which to dig into the soil of your consciousness and release the fountain of spiritual strength that lies within. Each test should bring out the hidden power that is within you as a God of, child of God. To fly away from problems may seem the easiest solution, but you gain strength only when you wrestle with a strong opponent. One who doesn't have difficulties is one who does not grow. So you look at life and the trials and tribulations not as a victim, but as the victor over them. You look at life as providing you an opportunity to show your metal, to have that metal honed by life so that it becomes sharp, wise, beautifully gleaming, example of love, of caring, of celebration of life, a celebration of love within each of our lives, a celebration ultimately of God, Allah, Yahweh, and what other other name one may use, the great spirit, the be all and end all, the great I am. Polish your life. And if there becomes a nick in it, polish that nick. Work to make it a smooth, guiding example for others. Be a source of light, even in times of darkness. That is the challenge of life. Remember again, know ye not that ye are the temple of God and that God dwelleth within you. God is within me. I am one with God. I have so many ideas that I want to share and I'm trying to get through them. In order to conquer the bad in life, you have to have God at your side. You have to recognize God, recognize. Cognize is to have a mental connection. You need to believe and know. And I'm here to tell you, you are loved. If it's not in my words, please, I hope it's in the spirit that I send across this wire. No wires. Across this station, you are loved. Throughout the ethernet of life, throughout the ether of life, I remind you, you are loved. There are uncomfortable moments in life, but those moments do not define who you are. Your divinity defines who you are. And you are a source of light. Yogananda says, 
have more mental strength, develop such mental power that you can stand unshaken no matter what comes, bravely facing anything in life. If you love God, you should have faith and be prepared to endure what trials come. Don't be afraid of suffering. Keep your mind positive and strong. It is your inner experience that is most important. It is not what others say about you. It is not how others react to you. But it is instead your knowledge within you that you are enough. That you are okay. That you are loved. And that your imperfections guide you on your journey to the perfection of recognizing that God is with you always. Always and always. We heighten our imagination, according to Yogananda, by we heighten our suffering by imagination, excuse me. Worrying or feeling sorry for yourself won't ease your pain, but rather increase it. For instance, someone wrongs you, you dwell on it, and your friends talk about it and sympathize with you. The more you think of it, the more you magnify the hurt and the more you magnify your suffering. I had this um, moment one day where I was just kind of cruising the Internet and I saw this article and it talked about the idea that people who are happier are people who don't spend time talking about the bad stuff that happened in their life. It's like, whoa, good idea, because I recognize the power of my thoughts over me, over my attitude. And what I'm talking about is something that's done most of the time. So I try not to allow those thoughts to enter my mind. And the more I succeed at that, the more peace I know in my day. So if someone has, in my eyes, harmed me, I'm not going to say to you that I am so holy that I am able to not say something about being harmed. But I've come to know the more I talk about it, the more I allow those thoughts to enter my mind, the stronger and the greater the power I give to those past behaviors. And in the end, I cannot change what someone else did. I only have control over me, me alone. And the same is true for each of you. We only have control over ourselves. Yogananda says some people go on remembering all the suffering they passed through and how terrible the pain was from an operation that took place 20 years ago. Over and over again, they relive the consciousness of that sickness. They repeat each experience. And this is one I have a personal experience with that he talks about. The best anesthesia against pain is your mental power. If your mind refuses to accept it, pain will be greatly lessened. I have seen at times when this body got hurt and felt pain, severe pain. But if I put my mind at the Christ center, which is the seat of the singular eye, it is the center It's the third eye, the zone of manifestation. That is, if I identify myself more with God and less with the body, there is no pain at all. 
So when pain comes, concentrate at the Christ center. Be mentally apart from pain. Develop more strength of mind. Be tough within. When you are feeling pain, inwardly say to yourself, it doesn't hurt me. When a pain comes, recognize it is something to be cared for, but don't suffer over it. The more you concentrate on the power of the mind, the more your body consciousness slips away. So my story. Several years ago, I don't know, six or seven years ago, I was too young to be falling and breaking hips. Uh, My granddaughter and I had gone and we had had our toes polished. And we were in Colorado. I was visiting my daughter and and we're coming back into their garage. And there's snow everywhere and you're trying to be careful. And, of course, you just had your toenails polished, my gosh. And so, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be cautious. I'm not paying as close attention to the ground as I should have been. I I do try to look at the ground now because if there is any unevenness in the sidewalk, I will find it and I will fall from it. And so here I am and there's this little lip as you walk into the garage and my granddaughter's talking to me and I look up to ask her a question. And as I do that, I don't notice this lip and I trip. And instead of just allowing myself to fall, oh no, I go through the the arms going around and trying to stop myself from falling. And the next thing I know, when I do fall, it hurts pretty bad. So my grandchildren help me get into the house and I, I lay on the couch and my daughter brings me some crutches and we talk and talk. And so for 24 hours, I'm just there having an awful lot of pain, but of course not admitting that there's a problem. And uh, the next day we go to the hospital and it turns out that I have broken my hip. And so I have to have this hip surgery where they put a rod in and stuff, all this, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's on a Sunday. So they do the surgery late Sunday evening. And um, so Monday is one of those days where, you know, I've lost track of it because they are giving me uh, medications or and I'm supposed to be shooting myself with this medication too. I probably was. I'm not going to say I wasn't. To deal with, quote, the pain of the surgery. Now, that didn't stop them from once we got me all shot up, asking me to stand up and walk with a walker and all these things. So believe me, there's no laying around when you're hurt anymore, which is good, because it gets your mind focused on healing. So on Monday, I did have that medication as we were doing the deal whatever it was, but the medication is not, and I just don't align for a lot of reasons. One, I physically react to it, but two, and this is important, it disconnects me from God. I don't feel the connection that I feel in my life. And so I went through Monday night, and when it came to be Tuesday morning, uh, they came in and I asked if I could have a Tylenol. They look at me like I have completely lost my mind, but all I want is a Tylenol. I stopped using that little IV bag that's hanging there full of some sort of narcotic drug, and I start using Tylenol and meditation. And how could I do it? What I would do when the pain was really bad, it was I would ask for ice, and then I would... Just breathe the way we've been breathing. 
And I would focus when I got to the third chakra, to the healing zone on healing my body. And I would feel God's presence within me, healing my body and dealing with his human foible of this accident. And I would breathe. And I would breathe. And sometimes I would fall asleep and sometimes I would not. But the reality was I did not feel pain that was not covered by the Tylenol. So in less than, in just a little over 24 hours after the surgery, I was turning my pain to God. And my friends, God took it. That's the important point. God took my pain. In times of trial, in times of tribulation, in times of suffering, in bad times, God is there to help shoulder the pain for you, to carry you across the sand. There's a quote out there about footprints in the sand. God will carry you, but you need to recognize God. You need to invite God in, and you need to recognize that God and you are connected by genes, by DNA, by love, not by how you worship God. Not by the doctrinology of how you worship God, but how you show you worship God. How you show others. You don't have to use the word God to be living example of what God means in your life. What God means in your life. Yogananda says, the first rule in prayer is to approach God only with legitimate desires. Hold on, I may have skipped a page here. Nope, that's it. Second is to pray for their fulfillment, not as a beggar, but as a child of God. I am thy child. Thou art my father. Thou and I are one. When you pray deeply and continuously, you will feel a great joy welling up in your heart. Don't be satisfied until that joy manifests for you. Hold on, I misread that. You will feel a great joy welling up in your heart. Don't be satisfied until that joy manifests. For when you feel that all-satisfying joy in your heart, you will know that God has tuned in your breakfast or your prayer broadcast, not breakfast, your prayer broadcast. Then pray to your Father, Lord, Thou is my need. You know what? I have tears in my eyes today as I'm reading, and I apologize. There are tears because I'm moved by the message that God has led me to bring to you today. I'm moved by it because it matters for me too. It matters for me as I look around me and wonder how many times, how many hours 
in my day do I spend looking at how somebody done me wrong when I have no power over someone else? I only have power over how I do me right. How I show me in a loving way. How I show me as a kind being. As I show myself as someone who's not looking for what's wrong with someone else, but instead as someone who is looking for what is right in their conduct. I get caught up in the cycles just like everyone else does. I find no accident in this particular topic that God so many weeks ago asked that I write down is today's topic. And I'm going to start again with a prayer, and I've wiped my eyes, and hopefully I can read it as one coaching piece. But the reality is, my friends, we all come upon struggling. We all come upon judgments from other people. People face financial issues, and we need to deal with each If we are struggling with people, I encourage you, as that person's name comes into your mind, send them everything you want for in your life for yourself. Everything you choose to have in your life, send to that person. Because that is ultimately the deal. You are in charge of you, not them. And you know what you would like to feel whole. And if you are feeling attacked by them, they may not feel whole. But the bottom line is you will feel whole after you send it to them. Send them love. Send them companionship. Send them enjoyment in their work. Send them security. Send them financial security. Send them safety. Send them a recognition that God is with them during good times and bad. Send them the ability to open themselves up and join their breath with the breath of God. When you're facing economic troubles, thank God for leading you to the next money-making opportunity. Thank God for bringing to you money from unexpected places. Thank God for everything the way it is because as doors close, new doors open and God can lead you through those doors and can lead you to those doors. If you open yourself to the presence of God within you, all about you and how you react to life. It's all about you and whether you want to ignite the light that is within you. And back to Yogananda's prayer. The first rule in prayer is to approach God only with legitimate desires. The second is to pray for their fulfillment, not as a beggar, but as God's child. I am thy child, thou art my father, Thou and I are one. When you pray deeply and continuously, you will feel a great joy welling up in your heart. Don't be satisfied until that joy manifests. For when you feel that all-satisfying joy in your heart, you will know that God has tuned in your prayer broadcast. 
oh, I know that feeling that Yogananda is describing. It is like an electric charge. It's like my heart is just exploding with love. Then pray to your Father, Lord, this is my need. I am willing to work for it. Please guide me and help me to have the right thoughts and to do the right things to bring about success. I will use my reason and work with determination, but guide thou my reason, will, and activity to do the right thing that I should do, and I might add in love. I have no doubt that the despots pray and believe that in their despot way that they are doing what is right and what God wills. The thing is, it's a real easy analysis, my friends. If what you are praying for affects others in a negative way, enhances you and the largesse with which you have, and takes away from others to cause suffering, you can be fairly certain that it is not being a light. If on the other hand, the victory you pray for is victory over yourself so that you can model love, so that you can ignite and stimulate others to be all they can be, so that you can move through the time of suffering that you are in, united with God, rising up like a phoenix out of the fire as an example of love, so that you don't consume the minutes of every day talking about how you have been wronged, but instead you focus on what you can do that will enable others to do positive things. And even if they choose not to do those things, you focus on the fact that you did. If you focus on you, if you focus on being a loving, kind, caring being, then you will feel the spark of divinity within you exploding in joy, and that is what life is about. Not money, not things, not houses, but on that recognition that one is one with God. It ignites a sense of peace and joy and contentment that nothing else can touch. The rest of the stuff is things, possessions, ego satisfaction, but the joy of being united one with God and recognizing that union is life-changing. It is so life-changing that when you step away from it, and as humans we do, you will miss it and you will remember where it is because it is back and taking time every day, even if it's only a minute or two, to connect with God so that your day is love-infused. And when it isn't, reconnecting. As Rabia the mystic says, on a mountain, in a valley, I behold only God. 
In hardship, I see him by my side. In ease and well-being, I behold only God. Like a candle, it melted. Amidst the sparks of the flames, I behold only God. And we don't need to have a part two. We are coming to the final minutes of the show. We did not have a second meditation, but I'd like to share an affirmation from Yogananda. Actually, two. The first one is, I know that God's power is limitless. And as I am made in his image, I too have the strength to overcome all obstacles. I'd like to say that again. I know that God's power is limited, limitless. Starting again. I know that God's power is limitless. And as I am made in his image, I too have the strength to overcome all obstacles. The second, dear Father, whatever conditions confront me, I know that they represent the next step in my unfoldment. I will welcome all tests because I know that within me is the intelligence to understand and the power to overcome. Know, my friends, that those of us who believe in uniting our lives, our actions, our words with love. Those of us who aspire to be a spark of light. Those of us who strive to remember God in our actions and deeds. We are not perfect. We step off occasionally and I want you to know that God is always there with his hand outstretched waiting for you and for me to recognize him again or her again and to plunge forward in life like a warrior of love knowing that the ultimate conclusion is that we are with God always in life and in death. We are one. I want to say namaste to each of you. I salute your inner divinity. That's what namaste means. Now let us recognize and empower that divinity as we go about our affairs, our affairs for the next two weeks. You are magnificent and I appreciate your taking time to spend part of your Sunday morning with me or whatever day it is. Peace be with each of you until we return to this time and place. I think the next show may be at 8.30. It's going to be on the 14th of July and we'll talk about God in our lives. Blessings to each of you. Namaste.